What's up, sober family? Welcome to I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye, the podcast for newly sober people learning to love ourselves instead of booze. Whether it's alcohol, whether it's food, whether it's um, reclusiveness, we hide in our own little bubble, whether it's drugs, they're all the same. They're avoiding us dealing with their mental and emotional pain. Today, my guest is Donna Lee Gastrike, a best-selling author and speaker who specializes in human behavior and how it impacts our success or stagnates our results. She combines science, physics, psychology, and other areas of knowledge to increase her learning and awareness. Her book, Bringing Spirituality into Business, teaches the ABCs of workplace wellness. And as a speaker and coach, she helps businesses improve all aspects of their employees' everyday experiences. But before all that, she struggled in life, including with alcohol, and she finally found a way out of the pit using the skills that she now teaches to others. I'm your host, Dana Kroll. I'm a former army chaplain who developed a toxic relationship with alcohol after leaving the military. And I stayed on a roller coaster of rock bottoms, recoveries and relapses until finally in the winter of 2022, I found my way out of the cycle by connecting with people like you. After kissing alcohol goodbye, my goal is to never go back, but I can't do it alone. So let's break up with booze together. With me in the studio, as always, are Al K. Halfrey, my spirit animal for sobriety, and Spruce, my PTSD service dog, who is currently napping. And before we get rolling, I just want to quickly say that if you're new to sobriety and you're looking for a group of people to be your sober community, please come join the I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye Sober Family Facebook group. The link is in the show notes, or you can search Facebook groups for I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye. And now, let's get rolling with Donna Lee. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Dana, for having me. As I was sharing with you earlier, the topic is so near and dear to my heart because the human experience doesn't come with an owner's manual to teach us how to maneuver through it. Yeah. And I believe each and every individual is one thought away from a nasty spiral down into the dark depths of pain. And in that pain, we reach for anything to numb mm. what hurts us. So I, I too... Um, had found myself there. I knew at an early age that I had a, a bit of an addictive personality, if that makes sense. Maybe your listeners can relate to. Um, it could be food, it could be a drink, it could be a habit or a pattern. Um, so that was well in my awareness. But once I became a mother, I that mothering, that parenthood, wow, it ruled. And I I quit drinking. I mean, you you don't want to wake up at 2 a.m. to nurse a, a newborn. Yeah. And be, be giving it alcohol or be hung over and miss that wake up call. Yeah. Right. So yeah. parenting kept me from that. Then I went through a divorce and anybody knows that's painful, whether you yeah. loved them or hated them, the change in routine, the change in everything, the change in finances, support, just a breathing individual adult in your home. It is a shock. It's to the culture. And in that breakup, he wanted uh, full custody of the kids a few years later. And boy, did that send me on a spiral. Just the fear of losing my kids. And what would he, you know, what would that society think of that? There was a whole big image I went into. And it set me on a big drinking frenzy. Yeah. So much so my parents wanted to put me away for 30 days and watch my kids. A gift they were going to give me. And there was an awareness in me that came forth and said, you think the drinking's the problem? And they looked at me so puzzled. And I said, the drinking isn't the problem. No. The drinking's the band-aid I keep putting on my problem. My problem is I have emotions beneath the scenes. Some I'm not even clear of. I was so clear in articulating my problem. 
I almost laughed at them for the even thought of wanting to help me in that way. What I really wanted was their help. And and to me, that that help was to listen without feeling attacked by what I said. Yeah. To, To listen to me without feeling they were the problem. Every time I spoke, they thought I was attacking them. And it, mm. it, it affected our relationship to this day. And never were my words attacking them. They were cries for help. Mm. They were just cries for help. But that's why there's therapists. And that's why there's counselors and coaches that are trained to detach from the situation. My parents were, you know, in their own victimhood right of their own mm-hmm. relationship and they couldn't help me but i was really clear that i i knew my problem was my pain and mm-hmm. until i was ready to sit with it to look at it i i wasn't going to heal but it, it was also in that moment that i was fully well aware well how long will you keep giving into this when will you set a date with your problem mm-hmm. when when will you Allow yourself to really feel the pain that's causing you more pain and other people in your life. So it was a good conversation, um, even though it didn't take us where they wanted it to go. Yeah. Um, it it caused me to, to start looking forward on the calendar. Well, what is it going to take? And, you know, when will I begin? And, and what kind of courage was it going to require to muster this up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, looking at it, knowing I was avoiding it was like, well, how much strength do I need? And do I have it? And, and it caused me to look at other times in my life where I'd had extreme strength to muster through things. And I think it's those times that, that we get stronger in our ability to one, be aware of all that's going on. Right. And then to see how it's affecting others. You know, when they said they would babysit my kids for a month. I mean, wow, (laughs) that was huge. That was a boom, big eye opener, you know, like, oh, my gosh, what would society, what would my neighbors think that I was put away for a month? You know, like, get your act together, girlfriend. Like, that was a big self-talk for me. Mm. So that conversation was what really sparked me to set a date with myself, sit on the couch with no one around but me and really allow myself to go deeper into where where am I hurting? You know, where do I have these angsts and pains and things that I'm avoiding? And I didn't even know where to begin. It wasn't like I had, you know, guidance from outside to take me there, but I did know my problem was my pain. And it was the pain I wasn't allowing myself to feel or express or integrate. And I'd, I'd already, you know, mothered three children, been, you know, in that experience that when you go into something that extraordinary, bringing a new life mm-hmm. into the world, you yeah. can't help but tap into your spiritual nature. You yeah. can't help but start to believe this was a miracle, right? I also knew when I had had children that, There was no owner's manual on how to care for them, but the energy that gave life through me would guide me every Mm -hmm. step of the way. Mm -hmm. 
So in my sitting with myself, I had to tap back into that knowledge. I also went into sales um, right before I had kids. And in the 80s, women were not really allowed in sales. Right. It was rare. Yeah. And you needed a bachelor's degree to get a job in sales. Didn't matter if that bachelor's degree was education right. or science or parks and recreation. But you yep. needed a bachelor's degree. And I was like, bullshit, bullshit. Yeah. I'm going to do this. And I landed a job in sales. It didn't take me a year. It didn't take me a month. One week. One week. And I also knew that the power that made that possible, I never worried. And I generally made sales rep of the month without trying naturally, organically. So in my drunken stupor, and when I say drunken stupor, I was a brown bagger. I mean, I'd go to work clean, meaning I didn't drink for breakfast, mm -hmm. but that didn't mean I wasn't hungover from the night before. Sure. Because I was. But the minute I left that office, and sometimes even on a sales call in the middle of the afternoon, I was pulling in a gas station to get a brown bag and a tall boy, a 16 ounces. Yeah. And so often I had coolers in my trunk. If I was at an all-day event with family, I'd take a trip out to my car. I forgot something for the kids. Mm, I yeah. intentionally planned to leave things in my car to go back after them. Yeah to down a half a pan or something in between thinking no one knew, right? Yeah. Thinking I was hiding it, like, right? Like it's on my breath. It's everything. Oh, you shake it off. Yeah. You have to forgive yourself. You have to love yourself. And I feel like deep beneath all of this was really self-love. Right. It was truly self-love. And I don't know why in the human experience we separate from that. I really don't. Um, what really aided me was knowing that I had help and to stop pushing it away. It comes from within. It's our spiritual nature. Um, we're spiritual beings here in a body having a human experience. We're going to go back to that eternal self of spirit when we're done with this body. And there's an energy there that has guided me through motherhood, through sales. And I got to remember how I relied on it and it, helped me. So I took that spirit into that date with myself. <laughs> and I can't tell you how many dates I needed. Um, dozens. And one hour turned into three hours on the couch, just crying all night, bringing up past pains that I've never really allowed myself to feel from relationships. Um, it started with rejection for me. My wound, my wound was rejection. I can tell the listeners that the one thing I learned was I had no idea fully how I utilize energy. And this came to me in an ayahuasca journey years later, but it caused me to look at astrology. And when I looked at where Chiron was in my birth chart and the message and meaning of what Chiron in the 10th house and Aquarius means, it means I'll suffer a wound of rejection mm. in my humanness. And when you understand that, you don't take it so personally. You just realize, oh, this is what I'm feeling. It's not real. It's not real. Deep down in the spiritual aspect of things, we're all connected. You know, that that whole web of mycelium or the network of what the internet brings us, right? The network going across the globe, connecting mm -hmm. us is us. 
yeah. connected to one another. And it really showed me how alcohol was my tool to numb myself from feeling all of it. And once I was ready to do the inner work that there, there is no manual for, yeah. everybody's inner work is personal and unique to them, but it's part of the growth we came into this experience for. That's my belief anyway. I feel like we're here to integrate and weave together, right? Both our spiritual nature and our humanness. And I, I feel like there's this threads coming down, one of each, and we're just beautifully integrating them together, weaving them into a beautiful tapestry we call our life. How I This is fascinating, first of all. Um, and I've been taking notes furiously as you've been if you've been speaking and you've said so many fascinating things already. Um, I, so for those of us who have not been mothers, uh, it might be the guys in the audience or for the ladies who have not, um, who have not had a pregnancy uh, or a given birth, then maybe talk to us about how, what are some ways that you coach people to harness their inner energy? Because as you're talking, I'm thinking yeah. about what is, what is the center? What is the thing that I can go back to, to draw on, you yeah. know, in my own thing, because I, I need to set a date and I've been, <laughs> and, and other things that you said, I'm like, oh yeah, I got to do that. Yep. Mm -hmm. That I need to stop pushing it away. And, you know, recognizing that there is not a manual for this, but there are things that we can do. Yes. And so what would you say for those of us who haven't been mothers? Because I think that was such a beautiful way you worded that, that your motherhood was whatever it was in you that gave you the energy to do that is going to guide you and everything else. What are, yeah. what about those of us who aren't mothers? What could be a source of energy for us? Yeah. The, the very breath of life, right? The right. very energy that sustains the breath of life in us that when we, came out of the womb and took that first breath into our humanness, that breath is what, there's an intelligence in it, right? There's an intelligence in our human body. I teach in my book, uh, we have four intelligence systems. We have more than that, but I focus on four. IQ, EQ, PQ, and SQ. The IQ, we we tend to focus on in our humanness and it's the intelligence system that society sends us to school for to yeah. right and and yet they they do it i don't want to say the wrong way because i'm not here to nix or angst what is but they they take us away from what that iq was really here for that's our mental intelligence it starts yeah. with imagination it's aided by logic and reason and when we're numbing ourselves, when we're stressed, when we're, you know, an anxious, depressed, logic and reason aren't readily available. Yeah. The stress hormone, the cortisol that's rushing through our system, turns off the prefrontal cortex and limits our ability to think clearly. Yeah. But spirit comes in through the breath. So even before, um, or I guess even after motherhood, when I was really looking at, you know, how to reconnect myself quickly and easily, I found meditation and I found breath work. And both of those bring you back to the higher self. Um, there's a little book, it's a children's book. It's by uh, the author, Lou Austin. One of my mentors mentioned at one time in a workshop and it's called The Little Me and The Great Me. And it talks about for children, the little me is stingy and wants my toys to myself and the great me shares. Mm. 
and and wants to you know see other people happy too um and it just goes on page after page sharing the differences between the little me and the great me and to me it was a great representation of our humanness our ego or personality and i don't ever want to let the listener believe that ego is bad like some people think they need to stomp out the ego kill the ego death to the ego that's not right at all it's the personality that you were given the blueprint of who you were to be in this lifetime. And you're here to merge it, meld it, intertwine it with your spirit, integrate it into all that you are. It has all kinds of aspects, but in our human experience, we want to label all those aspects. Yeah. Some are good, some are bad. And the minute we say bad, we're creatures of comfort. We only want to feel the good. So we push the bad away. And that's not right. We got to stop with the labeling so that we can sit with that energy. And I like to say, if the listeners are really wanting to go through this journey, just ask yourself, what if, what if I could plan a date with myself and just one night, let spirit come forth, let my higher self come guide me and, and start to learn what my higher self feels like. Because we each have a uniqueness within ourselves that aligns with us. Some of us are, are audio people. We need to hear it. Some of us are sensual and we need to feel it, right? Yeah. I can't tell another what their um, way of recognizing that higher self within is, but I do know that they'll know it when it comes. It'll feel like comfort. It'll okay. feel like a peace beyond all peace. Right. It'll feel so welcoming. It'll feel so inviting. You'll feel like you came home. You've made your way home. And, and that home is a place where you're whole. You're fully complete. Everything you've ever done or said is okay. Right. There's no labeling to anything. Okay. It just is. Okay. So without being a parent, and I, I want to say, you know, for me, it was mothering, but I want to say too, for fathers, you know, when you bring a life into this world, there's an innate knowing in you how to care for it. Yeah. Right. Just like when you get a pet or a plant and you, you want to grow it, you want to become, you want to, you want it to flourish, right? You want to nurture it. Innately, you know what to do, or you look for what to do, or you ask others, right? You learn, you grow innately you're guided to seek mm -hmm. and grow would you tell me more and, and thank you yes for reminding me as a father i do have um in, instincts that you know we have three boys and there were things that i didn't know how to do but that i i figured out there that you know and, and i am figuring out it's not that i it's that parenting isn't something that you like you said there's no manual and you can't like get a master's degree in, in parenting, but you just have to kind of go through it. But, and you also just sort of preach to the choir about the IQ and imagination should be first. I'm thinking it, it's, I'm going to think of it from now on as imagination quotient, which is, you know, at the top of our homeschool board in uh, straight upstairs from where I'm sitting is, you know, the, uh, it's attributed to Albert Einstein that he said, you know, the true sign of intelligence is not knowledge, but imagination. And so as a homeschool dad, I'm trying to, you know, get the boys to obviously know things they need to know how to, they need to know how to read and write and all these things, but they, but more importantly, they need to know how to be in touch with who they are as people. And they need to be able to imagine things 
um, and not just be in their body, but have those kinds of, have the capacity for spiritual experiences and for, you know, things that we can't necessarily quantify, um, and it as, as of, as of now anyway, and, um, I'd love to just elaborate, um, for the listeners on what you said, because, um, I do believe there's a lot more parents looking at homeschooling these days. And I too truly embrace that because the system of schooling that we have isn't functioning properly. It's not working. It's it's causing people to think they have to fit in to a mold of what normal looks like, fit into other people's expectations of them. And it doesn't allow them to start leaning into and tapping into their gifts, their talents. And I feel like going through a sobriety journey helps you to tap into your gifts and talents along the way. Mm because it brings you home to all that you are. And it's the undoing, the unlearning of what our society has caused us to focus on, you know, to fit in, to be normal. And what the hell is normal and who wants to be it anyway? Right. Yeah. I mean, don't you want to excel? Don't you want to be extraordinary? Don't you want to tap into what you came here for? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I mean, we all get to ask that question, right? Um, it's a beautiful question. And to think that we're finally raising children to expand their own intelligence systems, to yeah. trust these intelligence systems within, yeah. you know, the EQ is your emotional intelligence and you're probably teaching your kids to express how they feel. Yeah. You're not telling yeah. them not to cry. You're not, you're not, you're letting those emotions come forth in them versus stifling them. You know, we just came out of a society that said, big boys don't cry, toughen up, big, big girl, pull up your big girl panties, you know, mm-hmm. and these little quotes that are supposed to be funny and cute, but they're hurtful and they're damaging when you take them to heart yeah. because they do cause you to stuff those emotions down and not process them. And anytime we trap energy, and that's what we're doing, just trapping energy it gets triggered later and gets Mm. brought to the surface. That's definitely one of my hopes for us with, and you know, we're not the the militant homeschool family. That's like, everybody should homeschool. Uh, We're just grateful that we're able to make it work in our situation. I'm so glad that you have um, brought up all this stuff. I wanted to hear more though about you because before the show we had um, corresponded and you mentioned that you had some, um, some DUIs or um, some convict or DWIs and things. Would you be, would you mind talking more about how like things descended from, you know, you're like, you're hiding the stuff in the coolers and the car and other things. And their parents are offering to keep the kids for 30 days. Like, could you talk to us more about what led you into there? And then what was it that was there a moment that really turned things around or how did, how did that process kind of like bottom out and then start on the upswing? Yeah. I've had three DWIs. And the last one was pretty tough. I had an ankle bracelet for 10 days, confined to the house and work only um, under supervision. I had a blow unit in my car for over two years. Two of my children actually took their driver's license test in that car, which let me just share on this because this is powerful. Um, We had another vehicle. For them to drive to take their test they chose to take it in my car oh wow and that wasn't to humiliate me it was 
to have the utmost respect for me that they're not embarrassed by this at all. Mm. But yet I was, if you can even imagine, you know, me sitting in the driver's license place, waiting for them to come back from that driving test, just realizing the officer knew, wonder who else knows she's going to tell everyone when she yeah. gets back. Like, right. Like, yeah, just that, that whole self image thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay was really big for me and my kids were way beyond it. It meant nothing to them. Wow. They loved me fully, embraced me 100% and never judged me. Yeah. That is powerful. <laughs> but I didn't learn that either until I made a date with myself a decade later. Okay. So my invitation to your listeners is don't wait a decade and make that date with yourself. Sit with the pain now. Sit and 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 that pain looks small, you know, my kids taking their driver's test in my car with a blow unit, that's not small. That blow unit goes off like two or three times within the first five minutes of driving just to make sure you didn't change passengers, change mm-hmm. drivers. Yeah, right? yeah. And knowing that they're under pressure to do well on their test and they're getting graded and they felt comfortable having to pause and and blow in a in a unit to get a registered reading in front of a police officer that was a big statement and and I was so caught up in my pain I had never even looked at what this meant to the people around me mm-hmm. and how accepting and kind and forgiving they were of me and my behavior so had I I might have shifted sooner if that makes sense mm-hmm Oftentimes we're so caught up in our own pain. We, we don't see the love and support we have around us in the moment. And I know that it's there for all of us. It's just the way the world works. It may not be from the ones you expect it to come from. It may come from someone completely out of the blue. It may come from you running across this podcast. It may come from you finding Dana's podcast and realizing, oh my gosh, I can kick alcohol too. Yeah. Right. I can heal too. So for me, it was my parents, you know, offering to watch my kids. That was the kick in my gut. My kids were my, my glory. I mean, they were my first purpose and passion in the first chapter of my adulthood. I, I knew that. And I was here to set the right example and here to be um, a good mom. And if my drinking was getting in the way of that, wow, I had to clean up my act and I had to do it now. Yeah. So while that conversation didn't aid me to take me and put me away somewhere, I knew it made me speed up the date to start doing the inner work. But I also knew that the inner work was going to, you know, change me. And I had to be open to what kind of changes it was going to take. I'm a person that likes to measure my progress. And I, I encourage everyone to measure their progress. Start with a journal. Um, when you measure your progress, you can start to feel gratitude um, for the growth you've had, right? You, you, you give yourself appreciation. What you focus on expands. If you're in a state of appreciation, you're not feeling like a victim. Yeah. You're feeling like a victor. You're feeling like a warrior, right? You're feeling accomplished. And and that energy starts to grow. So I feel like we have to really do that work to journal, to measure our results and go through it with someone. 
I think AA does a good job of this. When you work with mm-hmm. a sponsor, they're always reminding you of your growth, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think programs, uh, you mentioned starting a Facebook group. To me, that's what we need in the world is groups that bring people together to help us remember our growth, to remember our accomplishments. Baby steps are all you need. Baby steps will get you all the way to the top of the mountain. Baby steps. You know, you don't have to have quantum leaps, but I'll tell you this. When you start having successive baby steps, the quantum leaps just come for you. When you mm-hmm. when you start to see the appreciation in them, in the baby steps. Now, in along those lines of baby steps, that's actually my my closing question for you is: This is the podcast for newly sober people who are learning to love ourselves instead of booze. And I'm asking all of my guests in my season three, what um, you know what they do to show love to themselves. So I'm curious to hear from you, Donnelly, like, what do you do? What have you done from the time that you stopped drinking? And from the time that you had these realizations, you set the date with yourself and you did the hard work and that you've grown. What are some things that you do today to stay in that mode of self-love? What are some baby steps that you took and maybe some steps that you'd still take today as you've been further along and growing and and learning how to walk and then run? The first thing I would say to the listeners is learn what it feels like to love yourself. So each one of us is unique there. To me, I found that love in meditation. As I would get five or 10, 15 minutes into a meditation, I could feel my body heat warming up. And it was as if I was held in a support of others that created that heat and warmth in my body but it was a deep sense of peace and love and comfort and there was no judgment there was pure acceptance and seeing a bigger picture that everything I'd been through was part of my journey and that I was here to accept it that I wasn't here to judge it so getting into this non-judgment field of not judging yourself right and then not labeling things um letting go of labels And meditation was my greatest teacher because as I saw a thought come by, I'd just say, oh, thought, I'd never give it attention. If I felt something in my body, I'd say, oh, sensation, let it go. I just acknowledged that I noticed it, but I'd never tune into it to distract me from the meditation. So, So first it's tapping into feeling it. What does it feel like? Because until you know what true self love feels like, you don't know what to come back to. Okay. Yeah. You've got to know what it feels like. Once you know what it feels like and you can practice it at least three times a day, whatever it means for you, take yourself there to the visualization of loving yourself, nurturing yourself, accepting yourself in all areas. And once you feel it deeply within, you start to create a pattern, a habit in the human experience That's exactly what everything is. Your subconscious works on that pattern and habit you've practiced. If it's one of stress and anxiety, of criticism, of not loving yourself, that's what's already running in the background. Your aim is to create a new pattern, a new habit to replace it, to to overseed it. Right. We yeah. I love how you mentioned Einstein and the quote on imagination. And there's one on energy, too, that you can't destroy it or demolish yeah. it. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. So Buckmeister Fuller says, don't worry about what the previous program was. Create a new one that supersedes it, right? So that's my aim to share with your listeners is learn what the self-love feels like. Sit in that energy in your imagination, in a visualization, often to start begin creating new neural pathways. Yeah. Start to tell our unconscious, subconscious, this is what we want to feel. And then do the action steps. We feel action from inspired action, right? Inspired inspiration is mm-hmm. a spirit that comes from within us to, to cause us to do something. Allow yourself to move with that inspiration in love, right? So that when you get in the shower, you're cleaning your skin, the largest organ in your body. Mm-hmm. You're removing dead skin. You're nurturing it with water and moisturizing it, right? And allow that to feel like love. Allow yourself to start to bring love into every activity you do. But it's baby steps. You first have to know what it feels like. You obviously can sense it from your children, your spouse, your even being in this podcast probably saturates you with a feeling of love because you're contributing and giving to others. Yeah, It's an energy that will grow, but you first have to know what it feels like. And for so many of us, we've turned it off because we felt like we didn't get it early in childhood, through a period of our life, whatever it was, could be a trauma, could be an experience, and it could be your your whole childhood upbringing. Maybe you weren't nurtured in love like you needed. But now we're the adult. And as that adult, we get to parent ourselves. We get to give ourselves exactly what we didn't get earlier in our life. So what does that love look like and feel like for you? For me, I just lost my mother. And I had a father that was very controlling. At about 19, he told me to create a relationship with my mother because she was feeling left out. And... I tried, but he would always say, no, she couldn't spend time with me. I'd say, do you want to have lunch? Let me check with your dad. And he controlled that relationship. So I never really had a deep relationship with her. And she just passed Thursday night. And I can honestly tell you, I feel her more present now Mm. than when she was alive. Her humanness was controlled by my dad. And that was the relationship she, she chose to honor, right? She, She created a sacred vow of marriage and commitment to him. And she was always here to make peace, right? She was always here to create peace in that relationship, whatever that looked like. And there's a a great honoring and respect for that. But had I not known self-love, I don't know if I would have received her as clearly in this moment. Mm. I truly grew up feeling abandoned. My parents told a story. My dad said, you didn't come from mommy's tummy. Daddy won you in a crap game. And I, and he was the loser. And and every time he told that story, my family would giggle and laugh. They would giggle and laugh. Well, I felt like I was being laughed at. Well, after years and years of hearing that story, I, I owned it. I owned it. I didn't think it was a joke. I took it personally. Um, I was the little girl who tried to run away five times before she was 10. You know, my alcohol problem was avoiding all that pain. It was me numbing it and not wanting to deal with it. And, you know, as an adult, we're here to nurture that part of us that needs help and support. Um, Some call it the inner child. Some call it the wounded child. 
I don't need the labels, but there's a part of us that needs nurturing, that needs love. And as an adult, we get to play that role. And we get to imagine, well, what would it look like if I were to love and and nurture that part of me? What would I say to her? I would say, come sit on my lap. Tell me what woes you. How can I support you? Right? And, and you just become compassionate to integrate that energy into all that you are. Not to keep it separate anymore, but to love it and nurture it through everything. It's, uh, wow. I've got nothing else. I'm yeah. so grateful to you for spending this hour with me. And I've learned a lot uh, from you. I've recognized that I have not properly set a date with my problem to sit with it. I, I certainly think about it a lot, but I've not set that date. And that's something that uh, I'm going to be doing. I want to say before we close, please check out Donnelly's book, uh, Bringing Spirituality into Business. And please uh, also check out her website, which I will link in the show notes. And uh, she offers uh, all kinds of speaking and coaching services. So please um, connect with her and I'll also link her social media as well. So um, we are going to look forward to seeing you on the next episode of I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye. And until then, Al and Spruce and I bid you adieu and send you our best sober vibes by saying goodbye alcohol and hello life. Much love to all and peace.